you have your money laying on the ground. Those are that money's dedicated to you moving homes. That is that's baller money right there. That is straight baller money. It's just laying it out there. She literally has money bags on the ground because she's moving homes like a foot to the left. <laughs> Tamnook, what'd you say? <laughs> is this Ms. Crook to you? Oh dear, did I break wind? Ladies and gentlemen, hello. How are you doing? Welcome back to Heine House Live Gaming and Tech Podcast. So good to see you. Thanks so much for being here. Um, shout out to uh, that movie quote there. First person in Discord to tell me what movie that's from. I'm going to get a free download code to a, a video game of my choosing. Oh dear, did I break wind? There it is. What is it? Hit me up in Discord. First person to get it gets it. How about that? 503-908-5490 is the phone number that you can hit me up at. We can talk about anything gaming related. We got some stuff. We got a voicemail at the end. We're going to get to heinehouse.com, of course, the website. We're going to talk about gaming, tech, life, love, animal droppings, and whatever else happens in between. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate you being here. Uh, let's jump right in. Let's waste no more time, folks. I got some random stuff that happened this week. Let's talk about it. We got another camper. Whoop, whoop. We got a camper. Whoop, whoop. No, it's not in your favorite FPS game. Not in your favorite first-person shooter. But at, at freaking Disneyland again. We have somebody that is camping at Disneyland. Wait, what is this? <sighs> Richard. It's funny. His name's McGuire. Or McGuire. G-U-I-R-E. Gear. Richard, 42, was spotted at the Disney-owned property, Walt Disney World, in Florida, which is currently closed, of course, closed to the public. But he was there. He jumped in. He was camping. He was chilling. Listen to this. Okay, listen to this. Look, Listen to the resources. This is some fuck-all-Disney money. This is what that is. Basically, Walt Disney Company called the cops. Is like, look, we got someone in here. We got to find him. That's some Walt Disney money. Look what happens. The, the police in Florida searched on foot, by helicopter, and by boat. I don't even know what the fuck I'm reading for this guy. Uh, deputies then found him and said to him, hey, we've been using a loudspeaker to try to address you. And they asked him, why didn't you come out? And he said, well, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> Because he was sleeping, he said. I didn't hear anything because I was sleeping inside one of the buildings on the island. He was on Discovery Island, which is re which he referred to as a tropical paradise, according to the uh, police report. And then, uh, according to the police arrest report, McGuire told deputies he was not aware that the property was off limits and that he had been camping there since eh, Monday or Tuesday-ish. And that he was planning to stay there for a week. Stop it. Get some help. Get, 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 get some help. Man, he's just trying to have a vacation, all right? Just trying to go on vacation. This is the second time that we've seen this. It was Disneyland in California last week. People, stay the fuck out of Disney, okay? When it opens, it opens. They're just partying. Uh, the Reginator is starting a new podcast. You may have heard this if you're a podcast listener, which, of course, you guys are. Uh, Reggie has announced a brand new podcast called Talking Games with Reggie and Harold. 
hosted alongside the award-winning author and journalist Harold Goldberg. Podcast is helping to raise money for the New York Video Game Critics Circle nonprofit and uh, also raising money to help with COVID-19. The seven-part podcast will start to air mid-May with those who donate to the cause getting early access to the content and being given a chance to ask Reggie questions for the show. There are other perks, too, which are explained on the podcast GoFundMe page, so go check that out if you want. Very, very cool. That's cool that they're uh, doing a podcast talking about games and uh, also helping out the community during this pandemic. Very, very cool. I went to read on some of the comments that people were posting about this, and uh, I have the top three comments that I found as such. Um, Here's one. I've never cared for podcasts much, but I would listen to Reggie give his opinion on living room furniture all day long. Another top comment that I read. Reggie could talk about what he did for breakfast for an entire hour and I would be fully invested. Looking forward to this podcast. And finally, a top comment that I saw on there. Reggie doesn't have time to finish the podcast. He has to go back and play Animal Crossing New Leaf on his Nintendo 3DS. (laughs) well that's all the time i have today i have to get home to play animal crossing new leaf on my nintendo 3ds so funny i don't think that will ever be old never never let it down the reginator (laughs) the reginator his body's reggie um hey hey folks this podcast is going to air uh during may 4th which is a couple of things uh, one, it's my brother's birthday, my younger brother's birthday. So, Kyle, happy birthday to you, sir. And also, uh, it's May the 4th be with you. So, Star Wars Day. It's the made-up holiday that people made up, social media made up years ago. Uh, it's, it's just the funny play on words, right? May the 4th be with you. Get it? Okay, yeah. We all know. But what's really funny about this is that Disney on Twitter tried to claim ownership of the hashtag. It's a real thing. I have a bunch of stuff I wrote wrote down here for it. Disney has been accused of trying to claim media ownership of the popular hashtag May the 4th on Twitter. The company's streaming service, Disney Plus, encouraged fans to share their favorite Star Wars memory using the hashtag Monday. It followed up with a legal warning suggesting any user who tweeted the hashtag was agreeing to Disney's terms and letting them use their content. It then backtracked after a huge protest by fans and widespread mockery. Yes, you can imagine. Here's here's what it said. The hashtag, uh, we already know what it means. The plan, I put it on here. Yeah, we know what that means. Great. Okay. They said on their post, by sharing your message with us, Disney Plus asked people to share like their favorite Star Wars memory with the hashtag May the 4th. They wrote, by sharing your message with us during May the 4th, you agreed to use you agree to our use of message and your account name in all media and our terms of service. What? What? Many fans rushed in as they were confused out of their minds. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? One guy said, you can't just scream terms of service agreement into the void and then assume everyone who does something falls in line with that. What are you doing? It's like yelling, just yelling obscenities everywhere. They then backtrack. They're like, the above legal language applies only, in all caps, to replies to this tweet using May the 4th. So they're saying not all, but just to anyone who puts it in this thread in a reply. 
trying to cover their tracks. Well, they should have worded that a little better originally because it basically sounded like they're claiming ownership of May the 4th. You can't fucking claim that. So funny. I honestly, I feel like we're going to get to like this point to where content creators can't even do or say or be anything online because it's like this huge legal battle that's just going to be red tape everywhere. It's just everywhere. We can't even like look outside. They'll be like, are you looking at that tree? Like the company who planted that tree, you need to get, you need to get permission from them. The fuck are we doing? Stop it. Get some help. Stop it. Get some help. Uh, you know, during, during this time when a lot of people are home or, and are working from home, uh, especially uh, news reporters, there's, there's a lot of news reporters who are doing interviews via Skype and Zoom and everyone's at home doing, doing work. Uh, well, on ABC, on Good Morning America, there was a reporter that they were corresponding with who, well, it's not really that big of a deal to be honest. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but uh, he wasn't wearing any pants. And when they, you know, panned out with the shot, uh, you know, you could see he wasn't wearing any pants. You know, he said, hey, I'm working from home and uh, I, uh, I didn't realize the camera could see that low on there. We, we, have, we have a picture of it here. Actually, be happy to show you this. Uh, good, good morning, America. Oh, hey, where is it? Let's, let's go ahead and mirror this baby. Let's mirror this baby. Yeah. Yeah, see, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. He's just got no pants on. He looks like he knows it, too. Look at his face. He's like, oh, that is the face of, oh, shit. They can see my white-ass legs. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, folks, you know what? I did an interview a, a, a while ago. A while ago, I was on News Channel 8. They asked me to be on because word had gotten out that everything that I do, where I have it from basically torso up, you know, like right here, even right here, I don't wear pants. I never have worn pants. It's been like that since I was a little kid. You know what? I was born naked. I'm going to die naked. All right? That's the way it is. And in fact, you know, people don't even believe me. No one believes me, Steph. No one believes me. So I wanted to bring up, I actually have a photo of that interview. And we were talking about... You don't wear pants. Why is that? Do all gamers not wear pants? Well, here, I, I have the screenshot here. Uh, it just reminds me of that time when I was on News Channel, News Channel 8. You know, th there it is. You know, there, you know, see right there. It says content creator says, I've never worn pants. His community says it's my package, my business, more at six. You know, let's just make sure, you know, absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't know why people would freak out where are you going Steph she's where's I don't know where she's going I don't know where are you going leaving. she's leaving why don't leave me please I need you <laughs> what I mean I mean folks if you listen to the audio version you have to go but you have to go to YouTube you got to see this because this is real this is a real story and this guy was like hey uh do you she was lot she was loving it I mean it makes sense I mean who wouldn't but he was like you see this guy look at him you see this guy she's like uh-huh and I'm like what the fuck is the big deal what? What's the big deal? Whatever. I was on the news. All right. That's my claim to fame. <laughs> Come on. Give me a round of applause. I spent a lot of time in Photoshop on that. Come on. Give me a round of applause. Come on. Give me a little something. Whoop, whoop. He's got no pants. Whoop, whoop. He's got no pants. I don't know. You know what? I don't really care. It's all right. 
You know, it's my package, my business. You know, more at six. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for this week in gaming history. Are you ready? Let's go. This is the segment of the show. We talk about games that were released in the past during the week this podcast airs. So May 3rd through May 9th in the past. Are you ready? 1996 Tokyo Highway Battle on PS1 in Japan. Where's all my racing fans at? Dude, this is like May 3rd is like it's today, like the day for racing games. Check this out. 2005 Enthusia Pro Racing. That's that awesome Capcom PS2 racing game. I believe it's wait, is that Capcom or is that Evolution? Did Evolution do that? Shit, I don't remember. Oh no, I'm thinking about um I'm not talking Enthusia. I'm talking about uh the other Capcom one. You know what I'm talking about. Um, 2004, Red Dead Revolver, PS2, and original Xbox, OG Xbox. Uh, how about 2005, uh, Forza Motorsport, the original, the OG, on the original Xbox, of course. 2005, Hot Shots Golf, Open Tee on PSP. Folks, if you weren't there in the stream this uh, last week, or this week, uh, on Friday, I played four hours of Wii Sports Golf, and it was awesome. It was relaxing. It was chill. We went back in time. It was a blast, folks. Twitch.tv slash The Heine House. Get your ass in there and hang out with us. I would love to see you. Um, 2011, MotorStorm, the apocalypse. Whoa, I'm waking up. I feel it in my bones. MotorStorm, the apocalypse, PS3. 2018, Danky Kang's Tropical Freeze on Switch in Japan was released. Moving on to the next day, May the 4th be with you. 2005. I was going to say, if there wasn't a Star Wars game, I'm going to flip my shit. But there is. 2005, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith on DS, Game Boy Advance, PS2, and Xbox. <sighs> you know what? There, actually, I have, on this day, there's quite a bit of like handheld releases. And a part of me got extremely sad. I miss, I really do miss seeing and going in and seeing release games for Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, uh, shit, I'm PSP, Vita. Like, I miss, I miss just seeing those releases. Is that just me? Like, I just got, I basically became, like, overcome with nostalgia and sadness over that especially reading all the stuff 2007 say what you want about spider-man 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 3 but listen to the releases game boy advance pc ps2 ps3 wii and 360 that is a fucking spider release spider release 2009 animal crossing clock on ds okay what the fuck susan do you know about an Animal Crossing clock game for DS? It is a clock that you set and you can have it set off like alarms and things. It's real. I don't know. You, I don't know. You plug it in, I guess. Just leave it on. Maybe it goes off the internal clock. I don't know. You better get in that eShop and download that. Animal Droppings Clock. 2009, a new play control, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat on Wii. You know, I should do a video on this. Like, Nintendo's renamed their games new, newest, newer, whatever. But we've kind of forgot when they hit fucking rock bottom. When they came back on the Wii and said, 
Well, since we don't really have anything else, I guess we'll just uh, re-release in the state's new play control and add another control scheme. Do you remember this? What the fuck? New play control? <laughs> I'm excited. New play control. I can now play with the Wii remote, and it can be even... I don't know. Where? Was my Wii sticking out? Or are you... Oh, you're making jokes. I thought you were being serious. I'm like looking around like, what? Is it hanging out? Hey, it's, you know, it's, yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot of, there's a lot of dangle jokes in there, but we'll leave it. Um, how about May 5th? Moving on to the next day, 1992 Mario Paint on Super Nintendo. Dun, 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 God, that music is so good. 1992 Wolfenstein 3D on PC. Oh my goodness, 92. Remind me, because I can't hear you, but remind me, yell at your speakers and remind me to tell a story about that at the end of this. That game changed my life. 2008 SNK Arcade Classics Volume 1 on the PlayStation 2 and PlayStation Portable. Moving on to the next day, May 6th in 2001 Mario Party 3 on N64. 2014's Borderlands 2 on the Vita... Vita, Vita Pan, Pita Pan, Vita Pan. No, no. Okay, that doesn't work. That's cool. You know, I, Steph, did you know I was on the news? Did you know I was uh, on the news? Do you want to see the pic? No. Okay, you're good. Are you sure? Sure, you don't want to see it? I was on the news. Did you? Do you remember seeing that? Do you, Do you remember when I was on the news? Remember I was talking about. Do, do you like that? I was on the news. Look, content creator says, I've never worn pants. <laughs> All right. His community says, my package, my business. More at six. Are you, are you really? He has always gone commando, it says. The news asks, how many more could, how many more could be out there? You like that? Yeah. Yeah. Take a picture. It will last longer. <laughs> like that joke too. That's an oldie. That's an oldie, but a goodie. That's a junior high one. Um, where were we? May sixth, Mario Party three. Is that where we were? Yeah, Borderlands two in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen's Project Cars on PC. A great game that I need to get into with my sim rig, baby, baby. May seventh, twenty twelve's Dead Space. Wait, 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 wait. Guess the platform. If you guess the platform, I want you to uh, seriously. I know you're by. Uh, you know, well, I don't know if you're by yourself, but if you are. Able to guess out loud and say it. I want everyone to say it. Make a guess and say it to yourself. You ready to make a guess, Steph, of what platform this is on? We're all going to do it. Everyone's going to do it. Which one? Dead Space. D uh, Dead Space, the original. And this is 2012, Dead Space. 2012. Dead Space. I want everyone to think about what platform I'm going to say this is on. And then I want you to say it out loud. Okay, do you have it? Do you have one? Yes, you're right. It is something unusual. We're playing hint. We're playing hint now. It is something unusual. This is true. Okay. One, two, three. IOS, she guessed. All right, here we go. You actually are very close, my dear. Ready? Blackberry. What? What? Who in the... They released Dead Space for Blackberry? Yeah, did anyone play this? Probably not. 
Who the fuck had a BlackBerry that they were playing games on like that? Let me know. In 2012, mind you. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Um, actually, if you had a BlackBerry and you played games on it, send me a voicemail, please. I want to talk to you. I want to know how that trackball was. In, in fact, if you had a BlackBerry, just give me a call. Shit, at this point. Who had one? How was email? I, I knew people struggled with it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. But, hey, it's like, you know, that's where we all started. Like, Remember the sidekick and all those great phones? A little flipped up. Yeah, thank God. I had a friend that had one, and, yeah, when it swiveled, it just it got loose and broke over time. Because you're always, all day long. It's like, come on. Um... Oh, 2019. Okay, May 7th, 2019. Arcade one-up machine, Mortal Kombat. And 2019, Descenders on PC and Xbox One. That's that downhill BMX game that I, I haven't played, but it looks like a lot of fun. Physics-based. All right, May 8th and 2001, Mist 3 Exile on PC. 2007's Command and Conquer Triberium Wars on 360. And also in the same day, same year in 27, 2007 rather, Driver 76 on PlayStation Portable. I didn't know they released it on PSP. I always thought it was just PC, actually. Very cool. Wait, Driver 76? Mm -hmm. I actually have to go look back at that because I'm actually confused now what game that actually is. That's what I thought. Is it like a... Is that a Codemasters game? I don't remember. I'm tripping out now. I thought I knew it when I saw it. I thought it was that... Um, that Polygon one, but that was old. That's even older. That's like early 90s. I don't remember. Hey, what the hell do I know? I just work here. Uh, and finally, the last day, folks, on May 9th in 2005, Danky Kong. <laughs> Danky Konga 2 on GameCube. Th those are actually really, really fun games. The music games that use the, uh, the DK barrels, the bongos. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. I think I just really liked it because it had an Usher song on it. And I was just like, oh, yeah, let's get down. Um, 20, uh, 2000, oh, 2006, rather. Let's let's try to get that straight here. 2006, Uno on 360. Steph's favorite game. Where's E-Dub? It's her favorite game, too. She loves that. They're fun. They, you can play them online and stuff. Like, dude, that's great. And finally, in 2011, Brink. Remember Brink? That is an underrated game right there. On PC. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. That was this, this week, week in gaming history. Picking them up, laying them down. Let's go right on to gaming news, folks. Um, Retro Fighters are finally shipping their Retro Fighter Next Gen Dreamcast controller. Do you remember this? I reported on this, gosh, early, early on in the podcast. Maybe maybe a year ago. But uh, I, I backed it on Kickstarter. Fully support shit like that. Love retro fighters. They make great products. Uh, bought two of them. And uh, I got an email saying, hey, Kickstarter backer, we need uh, you to fill out this form. And it was from them uh, just confirming my address and everything, which is great. So they are shipping. So folks, if you backed their Kickstarter, uh, they're shipping the controllers. Just want to let you know. It's happening. It's happening. I can't wait. I think I got a... Uh, I think I got a... I guess... Shit, no, I don't remember. I think I got one blue one, one orange one. One for staff, one for me. But maybe not. We'll see. We'll just, you know, it's going to be roulette. We're going to just see what, what shows up. Um, see what pops up. Hey, my business, you know, my deal, all right? I was born naked. I'm going to die naked. Steph, I, you know, I was on the news, right? 
You know, I was on, do you want to see the picture again? I was on the news. Steph's freaking out. She's like, are you really naked? Yes, I'm naked. <laughs> I told you, I don't wear pants. You know I don't wear pants. Come on. Don't lie to me, Susan. Susan, the pants. Take them off now. Fuck. The pants, Susan. Take them off. Shout out to Chad. He was fucking laughing his ass off the other day with that. The old panda squad. Laughing. He loves Susan. Susan, we need to make a t-shirt. It says Susan, the water or something. A toilet like overflowing. I walk out to my neighbors and stand there loud and proud. They're like, <laughs> what? And I'll just be like, Susan, the water, turn it off. And she'll be like, you heard that too? I'll be like, yeah, the whole fucking neighborhood heard it, sweetheart. The whole neighborhood. <laughs> hey, Xbox, show me new games. I hope I triggered your console. I doubt it. Xbox has announced that they will be giving a first look at next-gen gameplay of Series X games from its global developers' partners during a special Inside Xbox on Thursday, May 7th. That's in a few days of recording this. At 8 a.m. Pacific Standard, 11 a.m. Eastern, Xbox announced the news via Twitter, gave no further information as to what games we can expect to see, but it is important, folks, to note that it is specifically uh, related to global developers' partners. So this is not first party. This is all third party stuff. It's not bad. I'm just saying, don't go in there thinking you're going to see first party stuff. It's going to be all third party stuff. But hey, we're going to see a first look at what's going to be available on Microsoft's next gen console. Very cool. So tune in to that. Um, the new Assassin's Creed game was, uh, yeah, it was pretty much, uh, <laughs> bless you. It was um, not released, but revealed. Uh, Ubisoft revealed it. Um, in a uh, YouTube video in the form of a multi-hour live stream they did the other day. Um, a full reveal of Assassin's Creed Valhalla was on Thursday, April 30th at 8 a.m. It's on YouTube, so you can go back to the uh, the VOD there and check it out. Viking warriors battling in a sun-drenched field on one side and boats navigating icy waters on the other. A silhouette of a Viking warrior's biceps... Is in the middle. <laughs> Beyond that, little is known about the new Assassin's Creed game. The game is slated to come out sometime in 2020 on unspecified platforms, but by the sound of it, it's probably going to be next gen and current gen. Maybe I ought to inspect the new Assassin's Creed game a little closer with my monocle. Susan, please hand me my monocle. Don't look low below the belt. I am not wearing any pants, Susan. Uh, Tom Crook, folks, listen to this. Tom Nook made the front page of the Financial Times publication. Financial Times is a real publication that is an international daily newspaper that specializes in business and economic news. It's real, like fucking real. But they featured Tom Nook from Animal Crossing. You know, the crook. You know, the pimp. The man. The one that gives you your first job. The one that gives you your first house. The one that, that bends over backwards and says, you know what? You can have a house. And you know what? I'll give you a loan. You can take this money. All right? Do what you need to do. Pay me back when you can. You know? He bends over backwards. He makes, he makes your life. He gives you your first meal. 
And you're like, oh, Tom Nook, Tommy Nook, please help me, Mr. Tommy Nook. I have no food. I cannot do anything. Tom Nook is there. He's like, all right, Isabel, pour me another glass of iced tea. She gets the iced tea. She comes over, do, 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 pours the thing as they're staring at you, as you're there suffering. Tom Nook is there, hands you a hot plate. Isabel gets you a nice, fresh, ice cold cup of tea. Puts a little lime on the side, maybe squeezes the lime, puts it on the side. She's like, there you go. That's Tom Nook. That's the man right there. He gave you your first break. All right. Tom Nook giveth. Tom Nook taketh. That's pretty powerful. So powerful. In fact, he's on the fucking front of economic news, the Financial Times. And they even wrote the article like it's a real thing. I honestly don't know if it's a bunch of old people thinking that it's real or not, or it's just a big joke. But seriously, if you have no idea what they're talking about, you may think this is some real shit. It's so funny. I took a screenshot of it, too. Article just reads like any other. And if you were simply just skimming through it, yeah, you're going to believe like, wait, this is real. This is fucking real. I got a picture. Look at this. You may need to pause your video if you want to actually go read the article. I'll leave it there for a second. But yeah, go pause it. You can kind of see it. <laughs> they estimated 12 million players of the Japanese gaming group's cartoon fantasy Animal Crossing were informed last week about the move in which the Bank of Nook slashed the interest on savings from 0.5% to just 0.05%. 1.9 million bells. It's the in-game currency. can be bought online for about a dollar. Wait, what? You can buy? You can't buy online currency for a dollar. You can't buy fucking bells. What the hell are you talking about? The abrupt policy shift provided fury that once solid stream of income had been reduced to a trickle. Quoted, I'm never going to financially recover from this, one player wrote on an online forum. You like how I, you know, I just kind of switched, switched roles. That's my voice when I read the Financial Times. I read it every day. That's hilarious, though, that it's actually on there. What's up with that? Um, oh, I played a game. I played SnowRunner. I actually streamed it yesterday on the uh, SimRig Saturday. Another shameless plug on Twitch. Get out there. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, SnowRunner, it's a physics-based game. Do you remember? Okay. Only the, uh, only the, the 70s and 80s babies I represent are going to understand this. Do you remember when you were a child? And you were playing in a literal sandbox. Today we call it a sandbox because it's our game, open world sandbox. But you remember playing in a literal sandbox with your Tonka truck? Yeah. You know what? Even if you had the plastic ones in the 90s, you know what? You get it. You get it. We had the big metal ones that we used to cut up our fucking hands on, the big hard plastic wheels that would go over anything when they were like real Tonka trucks. They didn't fuck around back then. But do you remember that? playing with your Tonka truck in the sand pit, literal sand pit, filling it up, running it around, and then dumping it, and then going back with a shovel, filling it up, and getting it all dirty and muddy, and running through there, and getting it stuck in the mud, and then trying to be like, and like four-wheel out of it. You remember doing that? Maybe a handful of you do. That is basically what this game is. There's a game called Mud Runner. Same people. And this is the sequel to that. Well, first there was, there was Spin Tires, then there was Mud Run, or is it the same game? Mud Runner Spin Tires, I think. I don't know. I never got into it. I really wanted to, but never did because I thought, man, I don't know how that will be with a controller. 
And then now that I have the sim rig and the wheel and everything, it's so fucking awesome. I love it. But I played SnowRunner, which is a sequel. It's set in Michigan, starts off in Michigan and like the backwoods and muddy and raining. And, you know, it's really, really cool. Foresty, very nice, beautiful uh, day night cycle. It's incredible. And then also you can play in Alaska and go out there and get lost in the snow. It's beautiful. But it's a physics type game where you take your truck out and you start off with like an, an old like uh, 89, like Chevy CK 1500 pickup. And you go out there and uh, you just try to deliver wood to the bridge and then you you fix the bridge and you do quests, the side quests. It's basically like an RPG. It's very, very cool. But it's very physics. Like there's mud. You have to go into four-wheel drive. You turn on uh, all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive. You have diff lock. You know, you can get out. You can winch yourself onto a tree, like winch and then pull yourself out. Like it is, it is a slow-going, very like methodical but satisfying experience. And one that, honestly, it's like when I played Baja Edge of Control a couple of weeks ago. There's just no games that are really like that. There are no games that are like Spin Tires, Mud Runner, and Snow Runner. They're awesome. So if you really want that kind of almost relaxed, casual experience, yeah, it's not a racing game, but it features cars, trucks, rather, and it's brilliant. Love it. And we played it for like five hours last night. It was great. So yeah, come on by and say, uh, oh, go check the VOD. It's on Twitch. You'll see it. Um, there's a company called Comfy Sacks. It's basically a beanbag manufacturer. Remember those beanbags? You guys had beanbags as a kid. We're going back to the 80s here. You guys remember that? We, My mom always bought us those. I had a blue one because blue is my color. And my older brother had red because red's his color. And they were full of, they were like pleather. All right. <laughs> Start the sentence with, it was made of pleather. And you're in for a problem no matter what you do on any product. But Anyway, they were made of pleather, and <laughs> they were like, you know, they were kid-sized, but they were enough for you to sit on and actually get comfortable in. They weren't massive, but they were good size. And we found out that they were full of little tiny, almost like the size of hail, hail-size foam balls, little tiny, 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 like, again, like the size of hail. And we found that out because we kept fucking jumping on them. Like we would play and we'd run and fall on them. <laughs> and then it was like, it was like a bad night at Taco Bell, man. The ass end of that blew out when we jumped on it. And it just, it just shot the, the foam balls everywhere. It was just like, and it just went flying out. It was like, Susan, now Susan's pissed. Susan, the beanbag, it blew out. So yeah, um, okay, side tangent. But a company called, I'm leading into something here. It's a beanbag manufacturer. They have compiled a list of the most stressful and most relaxing video games that they've surveyed. They surveyed 1,000 people, 1,000 gamers. They surveyed gamers and to come up with this list because I'll tell you what, the, oh, it's not the very end, but they are trying to say, hey, a comfortable gamer is a less stressed gamer. Buy one of our beanbags. That was their, that's their sales pitch. But it was a really cool article to see, actually. So um, we wrote down some things on it, and here are some of the surveyed results. They surveyed more than a thousand, just over a thousand gamers about the effects of gaming and being stressed out. Play along at home, folks. This is the uh, the Heine House uh, beanbag. What's the most stressful game? Beanbag ass blowout edition. The most stressful video game. Are you ready for this? Can you guys guess? Go ahead, put your guesses in. The most stressful video game. Number one, 
Call of Duty Modern Warfare. You guessed it. I know you already said COD. I know you said COD. You said fish and chips. I know. What about number two? What about number two? COD again. Black Ops 4. Yes. Pretty much the whole list is COD. No, it's not. <laughs> Just those two. And finally, the third most stressful game that they uh, surveyed, Fortnite. Yep. Modern Warfare 2, Black Ops 4, and Fortnite. Um... What are the components that make a game stressful? They surveyed a bunch of gamers for this one too. 62% said content difficulty inside the game. So the difficulty of the actual game content, which that's pretty high. That's pretty high. 47% of uh, surveyors said online players makes them go fucking apeshit. Um, percentage of people admitting each of these as a result of stress. Okay, this one actually blew my mind. This one really fucking blew my mind. Here we go. 55% of surveyors said that they have yelled at another player in game. 55 said they've yelled at another player in game. 46 said they have yelled at a friend while playing. 33% said they have broken a controller. Let that sink in. 33%. Said they have broken a controller. What the fuck is wrong with you? 25% said they have yelled at their significant other. What? Literally. 14% said they have punched a hole in the wall. <laughs> that is fucking crazy. 9%. That this is even on here. Blows me. 9% they have said they have broke a console. They've actually broke the fucking console. Yes, I'm not lying. And 6% said they have ended a relationship over it. 6%. And finally, the most in, the most crazy one on here. Well, not, not the most crazy, actually. Those other ones are pretty fucked. This one, 5%. Only, small 5%. But they've yelled at the game. Like they fucking screamed at their TV. That's what we're talking about. That blows me away that people are punching walls and breaking controllers. Folks, wow, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's because I just like I mean, I have turned I have I have turned games off. That is the, that's the most when I get that mad, if I ever get that mad, which doesn't happen very often cuz games are just games. But like I have literally okay, here's a here's a real quick story. A long time ago, I was playing Mario Strikers on Wii with my cousins. My cousins, Derek and Justin. Those two guys fucking have been, were playing it for a long time. Long time. So they were, they were just terrorizing people. They were going online. They were teaming up 2v2, and they were just fucking destroying. So one day they go, hey, Jay, you want to play Strikers with us online? We're on Wii. And I said, you know what? Fuck yeah, I'd love to. Sounds great. Let's play. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm like, well, there's only one of me, so can one of you join me? And they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, those scumbags, they decided to pair up themselves and put me with some rando. Well, guess what? That rando, it was fucking AI player because no one was, no one else was online playing it. So it was those two guys who were pros, me, who's never really played it, like maybe a couple times, with a fucking stupid Luigi play AI, right? What happened? Basically, it was a shit show. They just ran circles around me. I couldn't even I couldn't even hold the ball with my feet. They were just going boom, 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 score, boom, 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 score, boom, 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 score. 
Literally. So that's how it was happening. Meh, score, yay, goal. So I actually, I wish I could have recorded. I was, it was like, I was chill. I was calm. I was happy. I took my Wii remote. I set it on the table right in front of me. I set it down and I watched for like a couple minutes and then just, they didn't even notice I'm just standing there, not even moving. They didn't even notice. I'm just like, they were score, score, score. I walked over to the wall. I just stood up. I walked over to the wall. I took a look behind the TV. I found the, the power outlet down there. I looked down to saw, let's see, uh, the top one. And I followed it. Okay. That's the TV and the bottom one. Let's see. Uh, that one. Okay. That's the one for the Wii. They're on the screen running, burn, score, burn, score. I just kindly reached down, put my hand on the TV, grabbed the plug on the bottom and just pull that fucking thing out. Shut the Wii off. Just pull the, I didn't even power it off. I just pulled the plug. Fuck it. And they have the nervous image text. Hey, what happened? Oh, I guess we got disconnected. That's what I said. Fuckers. It's all, we laugh about it now all the time. It's so funny. Um, so the final result of this, they said here, men are two times more likely to break a controller than women. According to the research there, women are 13% more likely to yell at their significant other. 80% of the people they surveyed, which this is great because it's almost everyone. 80% regretted acting out in these ways as a result of the stress that they had. Not all of them. <laughs> It's just not everyone, but a majority of them. Uh, gamers reporting being extremely comfortable while playing are least likely to act out. That was their whole thing about this. Whether they make that up or not, that was their thing. So it's like, yeah, so buy our comfy sack. I'm not trying to give comfy sack a shout out, but I think your article was pretty cool. So yeah, there you go. Comfy sack. Check them out. Sponsor the show. Fuck, get at me. Let's go. I would love to sit on one. I'd love to see if I can blow the ass out of it. Just like, just like I did when I was a kid. Um, on, and just a quick side note before we move on to some tech news. Side note, the top stress-relieving game, The Sims, followed very closely by Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and then in number three spot, Minecraft. All right, let's move on to some tech news, folks. NVIDIA, 3,000 cards, are they coming? We don't know yet. And you know how I, how I hate reporting on rumors, and I'm trying not to, but... The rumor mill is very full. A lot of people are talking about NVIDIA's new 3000 cards coming out sometime this year. The timeline adds up about every two years they release their, uh, their new cards. The 1080 came out in 2016, the 2080 and 2018. And we are online and in line for a new release from NVIDIA. Basically take out a second mortgage on your house if you want to get one, but they'll probably be out towards the end of the year, but we're not, we're not really sure. So you're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Those are just the rumors, but it'd be cool. It'd be cool to see. Which the reason why this is only the reason why this is good, not because like oh the the fucking thirty eighties are here and they cost four thousand dollars. No, it's because then the ten eighties and twenty eighties come way down in price. I mean, I guess not way down because they're really nice cards, but still they will come down. They will come down. People will either be selling off their cards or um, stock will be shifting out, and and retailers want to get rid of them. They want to get them out because they want to bring in the new cards. So very cool. I'm just glad we're not mining Bitcoin anymore. Fucking A, man. Remember that? That was crazy. You couldn't even, you couldn't even get shitty cards. You couldn't even find a shitty card for cheap. It was like, uh, yeah, here's this um, NVIDIA GTX 8800 from 2004, uh, $800. 
So yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, there's an update that's coming out for Windows soon here. Uh, the May 2020 Windows 10 update brings a new update and how it indexes data. I wanted to report on this because I know a lot of people, myself included, have older computers, older laptops, older desktops. We know we try to keep them running. We keep longevity of it. And if you have an older system that's running Windows 10, this may be good news for you. This update uh, could have a big impact on performance for some older PCs. How big of an impact will depend on your particular setup, of course, but PCs running a old school spinning hard drive as its primary C drive, its main drive, could benefit the most from this, uh, especially ones that have a lower spinning 5400 RPM drive instead of the 7200. So if you have an older spinning 5400 RPM hard drive, this could be good news for you. Um, those are actually quite common in older laptops, things like that. What's changing specifically is how Windows searches and indexes files. The update uh, for May of 2020 will bring out tweaks to the algorithm Windows 10 uses to detect high disk usage. Importantly, it will better identify peak usage times so it can avoid you know thrashing around your hard drive during the time you're using it. Um, certain situations, this will be very, very beneficial. It's something that Microsoft has outlined November, in November 2019 uh, and has been testing it since about that time with Windows Insiders in their Insider program. Uh, and yeah, ever since people have reported that it actually does uh, and feels faster. This is pretty cool. Now you're not going to notice this if you have a solid state drive. This is specifically for how it indexes older spinning drives. Because again, SSD is very, very fast already. Uh, it's something in the algorithm for that. Very cool. I mean, I hate to say it. You're going to update it. You're going to be like, yeah, this is great. And then you're going to have about 200 other things broken. Like every time I... Dude, what is it with when I update my Windows? Every time I update Windows, my NVIDIA drivers go fuck. And my OBS um, NVENC NVIDIA shit goes fucked. Everything just gets all messed up. I have to like uninstall and fresh clean install. It's like, oh my gosh. I panic, man. I fucking panic. I updated my other, my uh, my main gaming rig yesterday, and I panicked. I was panicking. I was sweating. Steph's like, why are you, why is your back so sweaty? Because I am updating. All right? I'm updating, and I'm scared. That's why. Because <laughs> you're wearing no shirt either? I had no shirt on. Oh, and no pants. I was totally nude. I updated my PCs in the nude. Stop it. Get some help. In the nude. I need some water. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So be on the lookout for that update. Very cool. Um, Philips is teasing a new ultra-wide monitor, and they're they're pretty much aiming it towards um, the next generation of consoles. I find this fascinating. This is. What's interesting about this is not that they're releasing a new monitor. There's thousands of monitors. But the fact that they're pushing the market campaign towards the next generation of consoles says a little something about the next-gen consoles that people haven't really seen or heard yet. So this is why I'm bringing it up. So they just unveiled their new... Here's the part number for you. 345M1CR Momentum gaming monitor. It's a new 34-inch ultra-wide gaming monitor made for PCs, but also for consoles. Monitor supports 
3440 by 1440 at 144 hertz with a four millisecond response time. That's not great. In parentheses, they say one millisecond with Philips motion blur reduction mode. I don't know. I do not like any of the fucking monitor DSPs, folks. I do not like when they do that. Not for gaming. For movies and everything else, cool. But for gaming, I don't know. Why not just make it one millisecond anyway? I guess they... I guess it's nice to give you the ability to turn it on or off, but four milliseconds, that's kind of high. Um, so, but anyway, Philips on the description is asking gamers to buy their new monitor and get ready for the next generation of consoles so that they can, quote, take your console gaming experience to the next level. Also, console supports HDR. We know that the games support that. Yeah, we knew that. But Philips also is introducing their Flickr-free technology so you can be gaming all night long without having to worry about your eyesight going out. <laughs> so two HDMI, two ports, two display ports, uh, plenty of connectivity. It has a USB hub on the back that packs a single USB B port that converts four USB 3.2 ports. So one of them can be supporting a fast charge for your phone. That's great. But the fact that they're supporting ultra wide, the consoles haven't said anything about uh, ultra wide yet. Have they? Here's the picture of the monitor. It looks nice. I like it. Sleek, clean, nice. I don't think any of them have announced anything about the specs of the video yet. I mean, yeah, they're like, oh, it can do 8K and all this sort of thing, but like they haven't really specified to say ultra wide, unless they have, and I, I didn't catch it. But yeah, very cool. Very cool stuff. Very, very nice indeed. Uh, and finally, I didn't get to it last episode because I hadn't tested it yet. And everyone's been writing, honestly, people have been writing me a lot about this. NVIDIA RTX Voice. Thanks to everyone who wrote in to tell me about it and also ask if I had experienced it. Yes, I have, in fact. Now, I reported last week about Crisp being introduced on Discord. And although I do feel Crisp is good, that it's also free, it's a paid program outside of Discord, folks, by the way. But it is free in Discord and does offer benefits with their artificial intelligence on their noise suppression. Folks, we're talking about noise suppression now. But NVIDIA came through with a beta saying, hey, we're going to use uh, RTX, the power of your RTX GPU. We're going to use that to bring out an artificial, an AI noise suppression algorithm and feature that then in real time will do noise suppression. I tested it. It's phenomenal. It's fantastic. There's a little drama surrounding it. They say that it only works for RTX cards, which are the ray tracing cards. But people have figured out ways to modify the code or change some of the, the code. I, I actually haven't looked. I just, people like writing me like, it works in other cards. It works in other cards to where you can get it to work, evidently. But then I guess NVIDIA caught on and patched it out in like an update or something. There's a lot of drama surrounding that. I honestly feel... Just from hearing that, just, just even knowing that it functioned with not having an RTX card, just the fact it functioned, I think it's horseshit that they're like, oh, it's only RTX cards. Just try to sell more RTX cards. Like, bro, come on. But anyway, I've used it, and it's, it's absolutely fantastic. It's crazy how good it is. Not only that, like, here's... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to shoot a video and post it on YouTube doing a comparison to show you. But literally, I could be sitting here talking to you like this 
and I could have a vacuum and somebody next to me on like uh, yelling, screaming. Like I could have a dog barking. Babo could be going ape shit, looking at birds across the street. Like we could have, this could be a completely noise infested room right now. And when I talk to you, you will hear my voice for the most part, pretty clear. You could understand what I'm saying and you will not hear any of the other sounds. I know you think that's crazy, but it's real and it works. It's insane. So like I'm going to test my plan is anyway, we'll see if I can uh, make this come together. But my plan is to actually, I have like two, I have an industrial car vacuum and we have a, another vacuum in here. We have a carpet cleaner. We have a whole bunch of shit. I was going to go to my studio speakers and turn on like birds chirping or nature sounds or like waterfall sounds to turn it up really loud and then just start talking and try it. Like, let's get this thing. Let's see if it can really, really do it. It uses artificial intelligence, machine learning to listen and it listens and it figures out what your voice is and what it isn't. And it separates that in real time. It's insane. We are on the cusp of really, really cool breakthroughs in technology like this. And I am very, very excited, especially when it comes to this audio stuff. Dude, you know I'm an audio geek, and I love this. I love that they put Crisp and Discord that really help out. You know, it's like it helps the clippity-clop horse hooves. Uh, like, like Steph used it the other day. Um, she was sneezing and, like, coughing or whatever a few times. I didn't hear it. She's like, oh, that that got rid of my sneeze. You didn't hear it? No, I didn't hear it at all. So it, like, suppressed all of that, but we could hear her voice because it realizes that's her voice, but the sneeze wasn't like, it was way cool. So we're, we got some cool stuff happening, but yeah, the RTX stuff, the RTX voice built into NVIDIA cards. Very, very, very nice. Very cool. So yeah, so pay attention to the YouTube stuff. I'll see if I can get that out in uh, maybe the next week or so. Very cool. 503-908-5490 is the phone number. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to hop into the phone lines. And if you want to uh, give me a call, I would love to talk with you. We'd love to talk games, talk tech, talk audio, talk whatever, whatever's on your mind. You can also email me if you're out of the U.S. and don't want to call. It's long distance. I totally understand. I've got the uh, the email for you, heinehouselive at gmail.com. There's the email. Hit me up, brah. Love to talk to you. 503-908-5490. Let's go ahead and hop on over to the uh, voice line here and uh, get her going. How about that, huh? Got voicemail. That's right. What's up, Jason? Cameron, voicemail maniac. I hope I'm not too late for this week's podcast. Uh, but anyway, just to comment on uh, one thing you mentioned last time about sample rate, bit depth, etc. I totally understand what you mean, man. I remember I'd always uh, set the uh, the bit depth at 16 bit because Back in the day, if you set it at 24-bit, and the computer had to make had to do math to essentially divide 24 bits into 16 bits, that, that was it was said that that was a uh, I don't know you could get kind of weird stuff because it's not an even number. So you probably remember this. So you know if if, if you had to set sure the bit depth at 32-bit, going down to 16-bit would be no problem. Anyway, apparently that's not a big deal in doing 24-bit now in, in today's age of uh, computer, et cetera, you know, programs being a lot better than they used to be, it's no problem. So that's super nerdy, um, but I totally can relate to your uh, – to you, you uh, going to 24-bit now. Uh, my question for you this week 
uh, after I got the, the super nerdy stuff out of the way, is um, what do you think of uh, when people say games haven't aged well, what that means to you? Um, I can I can definitely understand. I feel like anytime you have like a a 2D type of game that isn't you know, like 3D, for example, uh, like a Metal Slug type with like just beautifully hand drawn, you know, sprites, animation, etc. Those games hold up because it's that, that kind of cartoony look to them. Um, but a lot of the early 3D games, just you know, if they weren't done like uh, you know virtual racing, I think it's pretty appealing. Um, the ones that didn't sort of bite off more than they could chew, I think, still look pretty good. And I like all the games with, um, you know, the, the pre-rendered backgrounds. I think, think that holds up for the most part. Um, but, yeah, the early 3D stuff, I think, and, the you know, some of the 64 stuff, some of it, you know. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts about what, what the generation you thought didn't age well or if you think that's total BS and each game has its graphical look, has its own kind of merit. Um, all right, buddy. We'll, we'll see you next week. Cameron, the voicemail maniac, thank you, dude. I appreciate you. Thanks for the call. What a great question. In fact, this is something that we could probably talk an entire episode on, to be honest. Um, let me tell you something. I feel that um, games, when people say this game hasn't really aged well, I think it's just, you know, you know it's people looking at a game like, God, oh, it doesn't really look that great. But reality is, is that we were developers and console manufacturers and hardware and technology and where we were in certain stages, these consoles can basically show where we were at that moment of time in technology. And it was the software developer's job to try to figure out the best way to optimize their software for that hardware. And in some cases, it became very difficult, especially Nintendo had this challenge a lot back in the day. And you'll even see, like, there's lots of reviews from developers back in the day talking about like the games they used to develop back for the consoles and this and that Sony with their PlayStation one. Um, you know, once we, we moved from 32 bit, 64 bit, you know, we were going from eight bit to 16 bit and like the transition period. So we have, we have something like that to where, okay, we have a new console. We have new technology. We have a new way, a new standard of doing things, new way of doing things. And it becomes difficult. And so these software developers are trying to make software that works with this new hardware. And in especially the early days, it's very much like trial and error, try to figure it out. So you find that as the console life goes on, the software ends up getting better, right? I mean, you see that. Go look at any like last release for any console anywhere, unless it was some like budget one-off shovelware thing. Go look at the games because usually by the time the console's lifespan is at its end, we have, the developers have figured out the best way to optimize and make software that's great. So um, to kind of answer your question about what generation of consoles I feel don't age very well, I don't think the PlayStation 1 looks too terribly good. We had a lot of issues with PlayStation 1 with textures and scaling. There was a lot of issues with where, um, and excuse me, I, I, I'm not a developer on that side of things. I don't actually make graphics, so I don't have the right terminology for that. But like where textures butt up to one another, there's a lot of people call them jaggies. Like it's very jagged. It's very rigid. Um, and things don't really scale properly. Like when you, you get really close to a wall and you almost can see the wall kind of transforming and warping again, it's a limitation of the PlayStation hardware that it was unable to do where maybe other consoles could do it and make it look smooth and nice. And we get to that point of course, but 
I think it adds, even though it may not have aged well, it doesn't look great today, maybe blown up on a big TV, it looks kind of awkward. I do feel that that type of graphic gives the PlayStation 1 its charm, kind of gives it its beauty. It's definitely a moment in time. It reminds me of mid-90s. Mid-90s gaming in a nutshell. Man, when I pop in Destruction Derby or ESPN, Extreme Games, or I pop in uh, um, Warhawk, or I pop in... um, jumping flash. I mean, pick a game, pick any early release game. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful experience. Um, Now, a lot of people may not find that too attractive today. And eh, to be honest, it might not really be on a big TV, but um, it definitely gives it its charm. The hand-drawn stuff, Metal Slug, all like the Yoshi's Island, you know, that stuff. Oh man, they always hold up. They always hold up. They're just beautiful, beautiful games. And I think like you can play Metal Slug today, if somebody has never played a game a day in their life and they came in and you let them play Metal Slug and said, yeah, this just came out today. It's a brand new game. And they would play it. They'd be like, wow, it looks really nice. They would say that because it just, it is the hand-drawn stuff, man. Neo Geo, man, SNK, hand it to them. So, so good. And I, I'm always partial to those games, man. And also the hand-drawn stuff. Like I really think Gex is a good game too. That's another really great game. With great hand-drawn. And it has really good FMV, too. I do like that game. Very good. So, yeah. Cameron, I appreciate you. Great, great question. We could go so much more in-depth in that, but I tried to just do a quick overview um, of that. Uh, and, of course, dude, the flat-shaded polygons. Come on. You know what? You're talking at my heartstrings. There. I have I have a soft spot for uh, flat-shaded polygons, for sure. Virtual racing and um, so, I mean, so many games. Stun Runner. Uh, what, what are some other games? Stunts. Uh, uh, gosh, the list goes on and on and on. Um, okay, 503-908-5490. That's the phone number or live at gmail.com. Record yourself. Call me or send me over the voicemail through the email. How about that? Folks, I want to give a shout out before we say goodbye to all of the amazing support that we have right here on Patreon. Thank you so much, patrons. I love you. Brandon and George, Aaron, Weldon, Tammy, Sam, Luke, Ryan, and Justin, and all of the great support on the main floor and ground floor, you guys. Thank you so, so much. Um, I think I'm going to do, we have a new month, which means a new after party is in store. Uh, One idea I had was that I'm going to talk about the early days of Justin TV when I started in 2010 and how it evolved. Talk about some of the crazy things I used to watch back in the day on there some of the crazy things i've done back in the day uh i was on the news with no pants one of the days <laughs> right steph i was on the news you know she's looking at me like yeah i know idiot i know you big dummy um so yeah i want to talk about my history with twitch and streaming my dj sets my live drums i mean i've done a lot of different i've done so much varied content on twitch and justin tv for that matter and so i think i'm going to spend a little time and really just go back through the history and talk about it um, and if you have any other ideas, patrons, please hit me up in the Patreon discord or directly on the site. And, uh, if you want to hear something, I'd love to talk about it. All right. Hey, it's been fun. Thank you so much for being here. Heinehouse.com is the website. And before we go, before we say goodbye, I'm actually going to play a song for you on our way out. It's going to be a remix that I just recently did. I actually took an older song that was on my nothing's forever album in 2012. And, uh, this is. The song's called Be Right, features uh, Mr. Jared Karnofsky, bass player in Rex Soul, was a band I was in for many, many years. Fantastic bass player. 
Dude came in one night. I was in the studio messing with some songs. He came in. He goes, hey, plug me in. Plug me in. I got an idea for a song. Got an idea for a song. Quick, 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 quick. I don't want to miss it. I said, okay, okay, okay. I grab a cable. I plug him in. Uh, he goes, hit record. I just, boom, I hit record. And he plays this incredible arpeggiated bass line. And then he played maybe like 30 seconds of it. And then he goes, okay, give me another track. Give me another track. So I go, okay, okay. I pop up another track, hit record. He goes, let me play over the top of it. Okay, go. And he, then he plays like the low root note over it. You'll hear him. And then he, he played that for like 30 seconds, stopped, unplugged himself, threw the cable on the ground. He goes, all right, have fun with that. And walked out. That's how this song came to be. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I literally, this was in 2005. I literally sat on the song for that many years until 2012 when I actually made it into something, made it into like a full song, which gosh, I'm guessing I got, I'm kind of giving you the history of the song. I was experimenting with a vocoder on it and I was just playing vocoder notes and singing into the mic, making up just random words as kind of a scratch track just to get like melody and lines together. But I ended up loving what I did and I ended up just keeping my scratch take. So what you're listening to my vocoder, like vocal part was like one take. I'm like, God, this actually sounds really cool. And the words are for you just to kind of interpret. They don't really make sense. They weren't really intended to. I was just doing things. So it was really, it's really, that's the beauty of this song. It was so organic and natural. Every bit of it from Jared coming in, laying a baseline in 30 seconds to me, experimenting with notes, playing little notes on the piano, just like experimenting. And then this, I took it and I remixed it. I listened to it again after whatever, you know, nine years, eight years. And I heard new melodies. I heard new melodies. I heard new parts. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta do this. I'm gonna make a remix right now. And I did it on the spot. It took me like four hours. Steph was here. She was watching. It was like so organic. This song from start to finish has been nothing but organic. And I think that's really, really beautiful. And the, the fact is, is that when you can write music like that and have it be natural, it's extremely authentic. Folks, you can download this song, check it out on my website, heinehouse.com. And also you can, get, um, you can get it on my Bandcamp page. Okay. It's all in the description below in the podcast notes. Folks, thanks for joining us. We had a great, great episode, great laughs, great times. I hope you play some great games this week, experience some amazing tech and listen to some great, great music. I hope you all have a great, fantastic day. We'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye now. Mm-hmm.